the Lollygaggers podcast this week, we return to the 1980s. A time of straw-like but beautiful hair, of jean jackets and creepy German synthwave. For the first challenge, Justin watches The Wizard, forgets Fred Savage isn't dead, and compliments Christian Slater's beautiful mane. To end the episode, Jeff takes another look at War Games, finds a West Wing alum, and questions Justin's testing ethics. Welcome to episode number 64 of the Lovely Geigers podcast, a show about all sorts of different things, from comics to games, movies to TV. I am one of your hosts, Jeff. I'm another one, Justin. What's up, man? Oh, you know, little this, little that. Uh, been a busy week, as always. Back to the grind, teaching the classes, doing the things. So many people in this one class, just ridiculous. But uh, I went on a hike this morning. Really? Yeah. And you're not you're not taking a nap? What's going on? I didn't take a nap all day, so Amazing. I'm gonna sleep like a little baby this morning. Oh my gosh! <laughs> this morning? What? What? No, tomorrow morning, I guess. What? Whatever. Okay. So uh, we've been doing the new uh, the new format for two episodes now. So this is our third episode. This is where we focus primarily on uh, gentlemen's challenges. Uh, again, this is just a standard warning for the whole show from here on out. Everything we talk about here is spoiler heavy. So if we're talking about it, that means we're not going to pull any punches. We won't necessarily spoil every little secret, but we're not really going to try to avoid anything. So we're going to talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about. So if you don't want to be spoiled about something that uh, we're talking about this week, definitely go watch them for yourselves. But then again, the stuff that we're going to be covering was around in the 80s. And so you've had plenty of time. Uh, so the challenge for this week, just to remind you, uh, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, is uh, games, very broadly, uh, in the 80s. So it has something to do with that. Uh, so Justin and I, we we took, we took went back into our own little rooms, our own little corners. We thought about it for a little bit, and then we assigned something from the 80s that had to do with games to the other. Uh, we both ended up going with movies because uh, we just like movies. Uh, so Justin, I think it's your turn to start this week. You want to... Uh, you want to tell everybody what you were tasked with with watching? So, Jeffrey, you you went two for two know, uh, for lately because I have not Crushing seen it. this one either. This is a movie I had never saw when I was a kid, um, and this is The Wizard. That's true. Not The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, The Wizard. Which, when you I Google was... The Wizard, like ninety nine percent of things yeah, are in yeah. The Wizard of Oz. It's really frustrating. Boy, it made it real fun to find <laughs> facts about this. I movie. know, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so this made in 1989, started by Todd Holland, written by David Chisholm. They've really done nothing else of note that I can think of. I was looking out their like their credit, their history. Um, stars Luke Edwards, Christian Slater, Bo Bridges, and the late great Fred Savage. So, um, he's not dead. Uh, basically, the story is. Jimmy is the half-brother of Corey and Nick Woods. So Corey is played by Fred Savage. And Nick is played by the ever-handsome Christian Slater. Oh my gosh, his hair is so perfect in this movie. I don't know how he does it. Is it just me, or is like Christian Slater... Okay, so I feel like there's three actors to me that are basically the same... This, well, yeah, they're the same. Christian Slater, Jack Nicholson, and Leonardo DiCaprio, right? They all kind of look the same. They yeah, have the just... same sort of look in their face. They all look like... Any moment they can just they just flip out and stab you, you know, right? Right? Am I the only one? With the yeah, 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 yeah. And I think Leonardo DiCaprio is slowly turning into Jack Nicholson. Right. That's really the weird. that's the meme online, right? Like he's yeah. he's reaching his final form. Yeah. So Jimmy's the half brother to Corey and Nick, and Jimmy has, uh, I believe, autism. They don't. They never really talk about what is true. Uh, like. 
I guess his, his disability is, but he has some type of form of high functioning autism. It might be. I, I've heard some people, or I read elsewhere, some people just described it as PTSD because of his sister and like it was his twin. Yeah. So like it's yeah, it's 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 not identified like whatever it is. So it could be anything along that those kind of lines. But yeah. So Jimmy keeps running away from home and wants to live. He wants to go back to California. Every time he runs away, he wants to go to California. So Corey hears about this and talks to his father, Bo Bridges, and says that we need to go deal with him because, you know, he's your son, too. And his dad kind of ignores him and gives more of an argument with Christian Slater and, you know, all this stuff. So Corey runs away from home and goes and finds Jimmy. And together they decide that they're going to run away to California together. So they uh, kind of like leave for California. Along the way, they meet this little girl named Haley. And she's the daughter of a trucker. And they kind of hustle her because they find out really quickly that Jimmy's really, really good at video games. Like, ridiculously good. And whenever he plays them, he tends to pick them up very quickly and do the best score that's possible. And so they kind of go with Haley and travel through the country towards the West Coast to try and join this video game competition happening over in California. And along the way, they hustle people, kind of say like, oh, I bet you my little brother can beat you and stuff. He's never played the game before. Then he'd beat him because he has this uncanny ability to play these games. So one time they go to a, 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 like a little like diner, and while in the diner, they hustle these three older boys, and these three older boys uh, get upset with them. And uh, they kind of run away from, or they kind of get kicked out. And at the same time, when they get kicked out, there's this other boy there who's like the best, the best in the area. And he has the power glove, the Nintendo power glove. And he shows how cool it is. Dude, Even everything dude just, a, just a side note on this. I wanted the power glove so freaking bad when I was a kid. And uh, I was not allowed to get it. I was uh, very upset. And I feel like that denial of that wish as is what drove um, me to moving 3,000 miles away from my parents, and, and we barely speak. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. No, I'm um, still very upset about it. But the use of the Power Glove in this movie doesn't seem like it was the actual use of the Power Glove in the actual reality, because I thought the Power Glove was just like a glove that has a controller on it, and you just you know, hit it with your other hand, basically. But in the Power Glove in the movie, he uses the glove like a sensor to turn stuff left and right, which I don't think that's how that worked at all pretty sure it's not how I it I think if I recall correctly, it was actually uh, marketed as being a little bit of both. Like, it somehow registered your movements, but also, yeah, the controller thing. Yes. The Power Glove is like the precursor to your like a su- like, super early like, uh, Wii thing or something. Yeah, it's like what they're always been trying to do. So like this type of Wii type of stuff. All I know is um, I, I used to get Nintendo Power. I used to watch Captain N, and I really wanted a Power Glove. I had one of the little gyro robot guys uh, cause that was part of like our, our, our I had one of those too, but like, I never, we never used it for anything. <laughs> like it was just sort of there, but, uh, yeah, man, I'll tell there you. There was a game that came with it. it Geomite. Was game. It was like Geomite yeah. or something like that. And uh, he could oh, play with it. It was weird. It was a weird kind of creeped me out cause he's a little robot. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Sure. Um, well, we'll get to the robot stuff next. So this whole time when they've run away, they're being pursued by Corey's dad and also like a little kid bounty hunter. And this little kid bounty hunter, like his job is to go find lost kids. And so 
he and Bo Bridges kind of are at odds because Bo Bridges just wants to bring his kid home. This guy wants to make cash. So he kind of like keeps on sabotaging Bo Bridges and they keep on having these like slapstick moments where they keep meeting each other and beating each other up type of stuff. So there's that whole subplot going on. So what they do is they end up in Reno, which is where Haley lives, and Haley meets up with a trucker friend of her father's, and she gives him a little bit of money, and he goes to the craps table. She kind of leads him from across the room as to what to do. They win $400. She gives him 10 They take that money to then just practice all the games they can in the, in the uh, casinos, which I didn't know the casinos had arcades to throw out of them. And they basically practice for this big uh, tournament that could win them $50,000. So on their way over, they head over to uh, Haley's house. Turns out she lives in a little trailer up in the mountains. And she's like, lives a really crappy home life. She always talks about how great her life is and everything. But you could tell like she's a little kid. and She's just kind of like living through the Nile. And they kind of discover her character a little bit. Uh, she kisses Fred Savage, stuff like that. You know, cutesy stuff. Um, and they eventually end up over in uh, California by way of Jimmy gets stolen by the uh, bounty hunter, the kid bounty hunter. The kid bounty hunter gets, uh, like, headed off by a couple truckers. And the truckers then take them over to California to finish the adventure. They get over there. He becomes part of this whole thing. And uh, he ends up in top three. Um, they then get accosted by the kid bounty hunter again you know just it's a constant thing where he keeps on showing up trying to thwart him um and while they're so he they eventually get away and he ends up on stage he ends up playing against a kid that was really really good they had like 75 games back in the uh the town where he got accosted from and they end up in top three and the challenge is they have to play a game that nobody's ever seen before and so this game no one's ever seen before which is kind of like a weird cross-promotional thing with this movie was it was Super Mario 3. I guess this movie this movie debuted that game, I guess. So uh, they play all play Super Mario 3. And uh, what's strange is somehow, even though no one's ever played this game, they know about the warp whistle somehow. And even the kids in the stands know that there's a warp whistle, even though they've never, ever, ever seen this game. So it's just kind of like some there's a lot of plot holes towards the end of this movie. Right. But like, you really, if you really like, kind of you don't watch this for the plot. You know what I mean? Yeah. You watch this for the Nintendo commercials. But that did kind of bother me. Was like, come on. I okay. Mean, <laughs> okay. How do you know? How do you know about the damn whistle? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, how do you know about the the trick where you go behind? They probably the blocks? read a preview article in Nintendo Power. That's probably what it was. It makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, and so he ends up winning, and then on their way home. Uh, he, they he runs away again out of the car and says that Cal, young California he goes into a uh, dinosaur and he sits in the back. Yeah. So one of the things that happened in the movie is I forgot to mention earlier is he had a twin sister. The twin sister died by drowning in a river, and ever since that happened, he's been kind of never the same. He has a lunchbox, and in the lunchbox is stuff with all of his twin sisters' pictures and and uh, like drawings she made and stuff. And so he brings it back to this dinosaur and puts it inside because that's where they remember being happy together as a family. So he wanted her to live right. or, or to kind of like uh, be set to rest where he remembered her being happy. 
So it's a sweet little ending. Overall, it's a very sweet movie. Like it's it's just about a it's the best way I can kind of describe it. It's almost like Rain Man, but with little kids kind of. But it's a very sweet movie. Um, you see, like slowly, like the father kind of understanding his sons more. Christian Slater's hair is beautiful the whole time. Yeah, uh, and true. the the relationship between Fred Savage and his little brother is very good too. And and the girl Haley. Um, and Fred Savage, I don't understand how the guy didn't end up becoming a serial killer for being like a, a child actor. Dude, he's so, so chill, man. Like he's, just he's such, such a, a chill good dude. dude. I like Fred Savage. He's a good guy. I like. Uh, did you ever and see? He's such a good kid actor too. Like he's so he's great. good. Wonder Years, Princess Bride, this. I mean, so many good things. Um, did you see that show a couple years back? I can't remember what it was called. It was him and like Rob Lowe, or like. Everybody in the family oh, yeah, was know, a lawyer. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah sure, it was but... a surprisingly decent movie. Or it was a surprisingly decent show, but it got canceled. I can't remember the name of it, though. God. But it's just crazy that, like, you know, usually you see, like, those kids like that that had, like, very rarely do you see, like, kid actors that were so involved as children end up being, like, normal and somewhat cool. But, like, he's a great kid actor, and he seems like a pretty, you know, cool adult. So I thought he was great. It's a the movie's a nostalgia train. It's like a whole bunch of member berries. It wasn't at the time, but at the now time it was and, one giant commercial for Nintendo. Yeah, like that's what. But it now is. when you and now when you is. watch it, you're like, man, I remember Ninja Turtles. It makes me want to get one of those like Nintendo classics. Like that's what it does. I really want to play like regular Nintendo games and Super Nintendo Classic. I really want that. And when the Sega Genesis Classic comes out, oh my gosh, Golden Axe! Are you kidding me? So good. So. so overall, it's a good movie. It's very sweet. It's it's, it's a kids movie. Yeah. Um, but like it's, and, and like you gotta kind of take some of the plot holes with a with a grain of salt because like if you really analyze stuff like that, you're just like just just shut up and watch the movie. Yeah. You know? It's just, but it was a sweet little movie. Um, it really wasn't that bad. Um, and I thought it was a a nice little uh friend adventure movie. So yeah. a few facts about this movie. Oh boy! Nintendo actually didn't have much involvement with the movie, other than the glove in Super Mario Three. Right. So okay. they they gave, because they gave them the rights to the glove in Super Mario Three, it just they just used the rest of the games because they had the rights to Nintendo at the time. So they really only had a small involvement in the production of the film. They're just like let's just use all the Nintendo games. So it wasn't meant to be a commercial. It just turned out that way. Sure. Right. The girl who played Haley became a lead singer of a band known as a, of an indie band as Rilo Kylie. And she so, also had a role in the, a very Murray Christmas a couple of years back when Bill Murray and his brothers did that Christmas special, that TV Christmas special. Remember that? She was in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the director got the job within two days, which is uh, <laughs> interesting. Okay. Um, I don't know if that's uh, – I mean, it came out to a sweet movie, but like – Really, that's not a good sign for things if they're that. But like he like he like went for an interview. They gave him a weekend. They're like, "You're hired." This is Tobey Maguire's first movie. Tobey Maguire's in this movie. I don't know if you knew this. Um, when much like all boy, of other all of uh, Tobey Maguire's other movies, I didn't even realize he was in it because his presence was so yeah boring. yeah yeah yeah. So you know when like they first get to the tournament and they meet that kid who's really really good. Yeah. And they come out and that one kid's like, "Man, you did a great job." And he's like quite you know like something like donkey lips or something like that mm-hmm. well one of the little boys that was, was standing toby. in that group is toby mcguire <laughs> and he's got the sweetest mullet Aww. just the sweetest mullet Aww, those are um, two words i didn't think could go together okay. yeah 
The last thing, the ending was written like last minute. So that very sweet and wholesome ending was written like on the fly. Nice. Like, uh, it goes to the dinosaur. And uh, so that was kind of that. So like, those are the little facts. I wonder if it was kind of like they didn't know it was in the box. Kind of like a Pulp Fiction thing. Maybe it could be. Who knows? Anything yeah. Or the, yeah, maybe. I think it was like a thing. Maybe they did like reshoots or, you know, you shoot stuff out of sequence. So maybe sure. they did that little lunchbox thing earlier that was earlier on in the movie, later on in the shooting and stuff like that. So they just want to give him motivation to go to California, I guess. So they're like, uh, and he goes to the dinosaur. So those are my little factoids. All right. So, oh, yeah. Are you ready for your quiz, sir? Yeah. Uh, okay. So question number one. Uh, two-parter. What was the name of the competition at the very end, and where was it held? It was Video Game Armageddon, and it was at Universal Studios uh, Los Angeles. Uh, I'll go ahead and accept it. I think it was called Video Armageddon. I actually don't think there was a game uh, in the title, but I'll give it to you anyway. Uh, that is correct. It was at Universal Studios Hollywood and Video Armageddon. Okay. Now, how did I know this? Because there was Frankenstein, sure. Man Wolf, and they also the mentioned mommy. it a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. And then uh, next question: uh, Jimmy had trouble with a couple games. What were the games that he uh, he had trouble with? I think he had he had trouble with. Was it Ninja Gaiden? Did he go with Ninja Gaiden? Um, it's one of my one of my favorite games actually as a kid. I mean, my my neighbor used to play this all the time. Was it Contra? Was Contra one of them I had a hard time with? I'm going to wait. And for then you. there's two. There's two. There's two here, please. Oh boy, I forget. I'll say Ninja Turtles. Okay, I'm sure it's wrong. That isn't correct. The correct answer is Rampage, which is one of the games that I used to play a lot. Me and my my neighbor. Uh, and uh, Doctor Chaos. Those are the two games. Those are those. I don't even remember Doctor Chaos. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Doctor Mario. That was fun with like the pills. It was like a ripoff of Tetris, basically. Uh, okay. So next question. Which and this is multiple choice. Which of these games was not played featured in the movie? Adventures of Zelda Two, A Link to the Past, Rad Racer, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ninja Gaiden, or Double Dragon? Which of those was not played or featured in the movie? Legend of Zelda Two. That is incorrect. Even though, oh, what were the choices again? So you have Legend of well, Zelda. Well, you already got it incorrect. But Adventures of Zelda Two, A Link to the Past, Rad Racer, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Had to be Ninja Rad Gaiden. Racer then. Was it Rad Racer? Also incorrect. Oh, which one was the it? The correct then? answer was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because it was actually Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Two, the arca- arcade game that was played in the movie. It's called a. Uh, you are wrong, sir. I just really you wanted are to, absolutely wrong. Really wanted to. to it bring was it in. Ninja Turtles One that was I'm played. Sorry, sir. That's 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 not what I I'm, will challenge this a hundred. I'm using IMDb as my source. Uh, so I will challenge this. I will bring using, you to the moment in the movie. We're taking a look at a, my source. We're having a post. Taking we're a look at my source. Post, and my source uh, says Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Two, the arcade game. So I'm oh gonna go ahead and go God. with my source. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, next question. What kind of dinosaurs were shown at the end of the movie? Uh, it was like a big brontosaurus and a triceratops. Oh, oh that's, they're, actually, they're actually fake dinosaurs. That's, uh, 
Okay. They were, they were faked it. No, uh, that's I, I wasn't sure if I was going to be a smartass. With they're, the made, they're made out of buildings, Justin. <laughs> they're you sound not, like an idiot. They're not really dinosaurs. Uh, but Brontosaurus was correct. The other one was a T-Rex, so I'll give you half credit. And then finally, if Sony were to develop a movie to serve as a massive advertisement the way that Nintendo basically got this massive massive advertisement with the wizard what would you, what would you think the plot should be who would star and what PlayStation games do you think should be featured in that movie well they already did it it's called Pixels so there's that oh, um okay. it start it starred uh, Adam Sandler and a giant I don't uh, know who that is Oh, you don't know. So Adam Sandler is this guy. Never uh, heard of him. He's from. Would rather not continue down this path. All right. Uh, so okay, PlayStation. So it would be Sony, right? So it'd be PlayStation-based stuff. Okay. So it would have to. There'd be Crash Bandicoot involved in there, right? Cause of course, he's straight up Sony. Um. Uh. Nathan Drake would be in there because he's have straight up be. Sony. Have to be. Uh. You'd have. Uh, let's see what else here. Resident Evil characters because they they based from they started with PlayStation they eventually branched out um, Capcom stuff and I think it would the movie would star um, now Tom Holland since they seem to own his body and likeness for the rest of their life it seems interesting Um, and uh, the story would be how all the PlayStation and Sony uh, characters and ideas just made terrible movie choices and ruined my future by of watching Spider-Man movies. So that's what the right. storyline would be. I don't know where that went in the end, but Tom Holland was correct. Cause that was kind of the thing because one of the writers on this movie was named Tom Holland, but it's a different yeah. Tom Holland. So that's where yeah. I started going with that. So I'll go ahead and give you half credit for that. Cause I, I stopped listening to the rest of it. Uh, so right. let's see, uh, you've got uh, half credit for that one, half credit for the dinosaurs, no credit for the multiple choice, um, no credit for the games you had trouble with in full credit for the first one. So that looks to be, is that two? I think that's two. So you got two out of, uh, I believe it was five. You know, some people like to, you know, to aim for the middle of the road. And sure. that's how we live our lives. Sure, sure. You don't want to be too noticed. You just want to get by. Right. Okay. So my turn, Justin. Uh, Justin assigned me uh, the uh, the 1983, because I apparently he only assigns me movies from 1983. The 1983 Matthew Broderick-led film War Games uh, for our Games Challenge. Uh, War Games is directed by John Badham, and it's written by Lawrence Lasker and Walter F. Parks. Now, what I found really interesting, Justin, as I was looking at some of their their credits. So I'm looking at Lawrence Lasker, who was the writer. Okay. Now, not only did he write this, but he also actually wrote another Matthew Broderick, Broderick movie from the eighties called project X. Did you ever see project X? I don't believe that was I the have. one with, with like chimpanzees and stuff. And it gets really sad. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Don't, don't watch that one. Cause it's just going to make you feel really bad. Um, but yeah, th- like he doesn't really have a pretty, like I'm looking at his, his product, his producer and writer credits. They're actually pretty small. But he does have, you know, he, he has three good ones. He's got like Project X. He's got um, Sneakers, which was actually a really good Robert Redford led movie uh, from the early 90s. Uh, that was like a, I remember Sneakers. Yeah, it's a good movie. So uh, John Badham's the director. And I really loved, absolutely loved looking at what he did because he did uh, Saturday. He directed Saturday Night Fever in uh, last week, last episode, uh, episode 63. Wait a minute. We did Staying Alive. And he also directed Saturday Night Fever, which was the, uh, well, Staying Alive was the sequel sequel to that movie. Isn't that fascinating? Isn't that wonderful? 
Doesn't that make you just what feel a small world? Would you just feel good about the world when things kind of work at it? But that's not all, Justin. He also did a wonderful 1986 movie called Short Circuit. You ever seen that one? Little that robots? movie used to scare me. What? I you to know Johnny that. Five is a lot. Johnny Five used to scare the hell out of me. Yeah, I did, I did not like okay. him. He also directed uh, several episodes for Supernatural, which is wonderful, in the 2016-2017 seasons. And you're going to be really excited about this. This is a Justin Buys favorite television show that he was challenged. It was It's his favorite mermaid television show of all time. Siren oh my from God. Freeform, which is still this going on season so three. This guy's been so in our lives, it seems. So I just feel like I'm just going through it. And I also love him because he did several episodes of Psych, which is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. So, I mean, he's got so many good things. He did a couple episodes of Heroes. Like, I'm just going. This guy's got so much. Uh, so, like, he's done some really, really good stuff. Uh, like, just think, not. I mean, I don't want to say, like, he's won awards or anything like that. But, like, he's definitely done stuff that, like, I... I certainly remember and I certainly love. So uh, anyway, that's uh, that's the director. Now, I said already that it stars Matthew Broderick, uh, but it also stars uh, several other names. Uh, Ali Sheedy as well. Uh, the two of them are teenagers. Uh, they are living in Seattle. And they both they're both in high school. Uh, they're neither of them is like a great student. Matthew Broderick is like the the like early version of a hacker. But actually decently portrayed i think in terms of what they were doing it wasn't like the matthew lillard and angelina jolie uh 1990s movie hackers it was actually actually decent um i was reading that that they kind of based it off some real people some real like early hackers in the 80s and so they were trying to get it to be somewhat legitimate and ali sheedy play they're they're like they're not really like boyfriend girlfriend but they kind of start to to become that uh, as the as the movie progresses uh, there are tons of other people in it. Dabney Coleman's in it. He plays McKittrick, uh, who is the uh, he is the head of NORAD's computer defense program. Um, basically, he programs Whopper. Uh, Whopper is uh, by, by another name is known as Joshua. If you're familiar with war games, it's basically the computer. Whopper just stands for War Operation Plan Response, and it's the AI, the artificial intelligence that McKittrick is is arguing should be used uh, in situations where fast response is needed in the case of global thermonuclear war. And so the movie, interestingly enough, it takes a while for Matthew Broderick and Ali Sheedy's characters to actually come on screen. So the first thing we see is actually uh, Leo McGarry from West Wing and Michael Madsen uh, from Reservoir Dogs and all those other uh uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, Tarantino movies. Uh, the two of them uh, are going into a nuclear silo. Basically, they are like the the workers there, and you know each one of them has a key. And they go through this process where it looks like they're about to fire their nukes. And it ends. We learn later that it was just this big test, just to see how many of the people that were working in these silos would actually turn the key when they were supposed to. And they have something like a twenty two or twenty three percent failure rate, something like that. Uh, and McKittrick uses that as a way to illustrate to both the president, not that the president's ever on screen, they talk to him like by phone, and also some of the visitive advisors and things like that, that actually having people inside of these bunkers to turn the key is a mistake and that we should have an AI, computers control it, and let the decision on whether or not these nukes should be fired be made at the top by the president. And once the decision makes that, the response time needs to be like six minutes because it takes like six minutes if a if a Soviet nuke was to go off from a submarine, it could get till it can make landfall in like six minutes, and so they have like almost no time whatsoever. So, 
so that's like how he he convinces the president's main aide and the president, you know, they, they agree to it. And so that's a lot of the opening parts of the movie is them switching out some of the, you know, some of the mechanics uh, that are inside of those bunkers. And then finally, we actually see Matthew Broderick, who's playing Galaga. He's in his, uh, which is a wonderful arcade game from back in the day. Uh, but he is supposed to be at school, I suppose, or maybe he's like taking a lunch break because he's supposed to be going over an exam. And when he gets there, uh, his his teacher really, honestly, is just breaking all sorts of privacy rules because he's showing uh, the entire class what a person got on their grade, which you really can't do. Uh, and so he shows how Matthew Broderick got an F on his exam. Um, it was a biology test. And then Ali Sheedy's character, she's also uh, in the in the class and like the two of them both failed, but I guess they failed for different reasons. Uh, then Matthew Broderick's character makes a really funny joke because the guy's like, okay, can who can tell me about who cre- who first discovered or discussed the concept of asexuality? And he's like, your wife. And it's ha 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 ha. So then the two of them bond over that joke and they go back and Matthew Broderick starts uh, back at his house. He takes her, you know, she gives him a ride home and he starts showing him all, showing her all of her, all of his hacking equipment. And he hacks into the, the school's, um, the school's computer because he knows how to do that because he has the machinery for it. And also he knows where to find the password is. And like, it's been like pencil before, like pencil, I think is the current one. But there's also something like, like rubber or something. I can't remember. There's, there's a, there's a few things that were crossed out. It's hard to see. It's a pretty quick, uh, quite a quick shot, but like the pencil, this, the pencil is the password this time. So he goes in and he kind of changes his grades a la Ferris Bueller or something like that. And, uh, which is also Matthew Roderick. And then he changes her grade too. It kind of freaks her out at first, but eventually she like kind of comes to, so the two of them start the bond over that kind of thing. And he's really interested in, um, in hacking into and figuring out where this new company called Protovision, uh, because what they're doing is they're coming out with this, these all sorts of new games. And so he's trying to scour like a, like a, he's he's having his computer auto dial a bunch of numbers so he can figure out the number for Protovision so that he can dial into their network, hack in and get all the games early. And in doing so, he accidentally comes across uh, Joshua or the Whopper, OK, or Whopper. And and as he hacks into the system, he realizes after some advice from some of his other friends he realizes like the login was Joshua. And so he starts calling this computer Joshua. And that's the, the computerized voice that starts, you know, starts talking to him and they start playing games. And there's this huge list of games. It starts pretty simply with like chess and checkers and things like that. But eventually the list is like crazy stuff ending with global, th- global thermonuclear war, which is what they end up playing. Now, Matthew Broderick's character, David, he doesn't realize that this is really happening at first, but the computer Whopper is, is, seriously playing the game because it doesn't really understand like you play to win right you don't understand the futility like the whole idea is learning it eventually he gets uh david gets arrested by the fbi taken to taken to uh he's taken to norad and he is questioned by mckittrick and some of the others that are there um including barry corbin who is uh who plays general Barringer, and he is just delightfully barry corbin um he says this wonderful line that was like like i would uh I'd piss on a spark plug if I thought it would do any good. It's such a good line. Uh, so eventually they start suspecting that he, it, this is like a Soviet hack. And they think that David is might po- might possibly have been recruited by the Soviets. And he might have a partner on the outside because he's trying to cover for uh, for Jennifer, which is Ali Sheedy's character, because they had one of the things that they were doing is they were they booked a flight uh, like a reservation to Paris. And he was just doing that to kind of impress this teenage girl that was in his bedroom. And they took it to think that he was going to meet. It was like he was fleeing after doing some sort of sabotage to their system. 
Um, and so they're going to, you know, do even worse things to him. And he gets out. He breaks out by like uh, kind of hacking into like the, the electric electronic locks. And while the guy who is supposed to be guarding him, who has a wonderful like Tom Selleck type mustache, uh, is hitting on uh, this other woman in the nurse, like that's who's in the because uh, he's like locked up in the infirmary for some reason. He gets out, he changes the lock, and while they're trying to bust down the door, he sneaks out of NORAD because NORAD also had this uh, this kind of guest uh, visitation thing going on. There's a guest tour, and he like gets into that. And he starts then he starts running away. Contacts contacts Jennifer, who like buys him a ticket because while he was there, he tried to figure out well how can I stop this because he's now realized that the, it's the computer that this artificial intelligence has kind of a mind of its own and it's going to it's going to destroy the world it's it's trying to win the game and no one will listen to him because they all think he's a spy now but he learns while he's uh, you know at NORAD because for some reason McKittrick who suspects David of being a Soviet spy and then leaves David completely alone inside his office with access to a high pro, a highly secure computer he just gets up and leaves the room so David is actually able to find the other uh, creator of the uh, of the actual the entire AI, uh, who is uh, Professor Fox, um, and the two of them, or like him and McKittrick, kind of worked together in back in the day. But then Fox lost his wife and lost his, his son, and then he like kind of went into into seclusion, and he faked they faked his death and all that kind of stuff. So Jennifer and David travel to try to find him because they figure if they can if they can find him, maybe he can help them. But he's pretty much gone at this point. He's like, I'm glad I want to die. Let's die. I made sure that I was living really close to a to a primary target site. But eventually they convince him and they go back to NORAD. And while they're at NORAD, they're trying to figure out, well, how they how can they convince, you know, not and they, they, they managed to convince the people like the, between Professor Fox, he, he convinces them David's not some Soviet spy. There's some really, really crazy stuff going on. We're going to die if we don't fix this. But then they have to figure out how did they prevent Joshua, the A.I., from continuing to play global, global thermonuclear war? Because because Joshua didn't understand the difference between reality and a game. Right. And so the way that they end up deciding to do it is by by playing tic tac toe, which is something that that Professor Fox mentioned to David earlier when they had first met. And so David decides to, to, to teach to teach Joshua about the concept of futility by having him play tic-tac-toe over and over and over and over and over again by himself when he realizes that you just, you can't win at tic-tac-toe. Like if, if two people come in with an equal understanding and equal power, much like the Soviets and the U.S. in terms of their nuclear arsenals, no one ever wins. And so long story short, what happens as Joshua learns, Joshua doesn't fire the nukes. Everyone's happy. Everyone's saved. Uh, Professor Vox is back to society now. And yeah, and that's that's pretty much it. So that's War Games. Uh, War Games is a great movie. It's it's really hard to complain about War Games. Um, it's, you know, it's disturbingly prescient, I think. Um, I was reading that apparently Ronald Reagan was president at the time, like based some sort of law off it, which is fascinating. I was also reading that they... They based uh, Fox's character on uh, Stephen Hawking. Like the original idea for the movie was to be based around Stephen Hawking's characters. That was going to be Professor Falk. Um, And what they would do then is it was like this guy, Stephen Hawking, who is so brilliant. But how does he communicate those ideas? But eventually, like they've changed it and they tweaked it and they turned it into what it is. Um, Apparently, like Lawrence Lasker was like originally fired and then they rehired him and all sorts of weird changes. But ultimately, 
Like the movie's great. It's a classic. They've remade it, but don't watch those. Um, I think they remade it. Was it was it the dude from Twilight with the the nice abs, like Tyler Lautner? Is that his name? I think they they I think he was in the remake possibly, but it's definitely not worth watching. Like you can totally watch this this old movie from 1983. I think it holds up pretty well. I mean, obviously it's 80s and it and like the, the the level of tech is so much less uh, than what we have now. Uh, so you can definitely tell like that there's a lot of Star Trek stuff going on where like there's just a lot of blinky lights that don't necessarily have any discernible purpose. Uh, but overall, like I love the movie. I think it's great. I haven't watched it in a really long time. So I was actually really glad that Justin assigned it to me. Uh, Justin, you said you hadn't ever watched this movie before. So what did you think of it? I thought it was good. It was a pretty well told story. And like you said, the like hacking and stuff was believable yeah i thought and, it was legit uh, yeah i can totally like i totally was able to buy a lot of it you know so uh yeah i, I it was an entertaining film ali sheedy great mm-hmm. i mean can't go wrong. Great. i love ali sheedy and uh uh i thought it was a a pretty solid uh 80s film yeah an overall film overall so uh i enjoyed it yeah, it's it's not a fast. I mean, it's not a slow film. It, it transpires pretty fast. It does not stay its welcome. I do. I totally forgot about the opening sequence. Like I hadn't watched it in so long that I totally forgot that 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 whole like fake test thing was going on. I couldn't believe that it was like 15 minutes before Broderick and Ali Shooty were on the screen. I'm like, wait, am I did I download the wrong movie? But uh, but yeah, it's been a, a Falcon Falcon. That's his name, not Falk. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty it's pretty fascinating. Um but I, I really, really liked it. There, there are people in it that I didn't realize were in it. Um, like I totally didn't realize that Leo McGarry was in it. I didn't realize that Michael Madsen was in it because he, because for a second I was like, oh my god, is that? I think that's Michael Madsen, but he's not chewing a guy's ear off or going crazy. So, and then he pointed a gun at Leo McGarry. I'm like, never mind. There he goes. That's Michael Madsen. Uh, so it was a really good movie. Highly recommended. It's one of the better, best um, kind of sci-fi-ish uh, thriller, you know, kid movies from the. Um, you know, from the eighties. So I would definitely, definitely recommend it to anybody who is, uh, yeah, across a lot of genres, but then like, it's also not specific yeah. for them. I thought it's good for adults too. So like, if you haven't seen it, it's good. It's, it's, it's a good staple of the eighties. You gotta watch for sure. For sure. So you got some questions for me? Yeah. First one you got correct is what does Whopper stand for? Go, it go, is go. the war operated planned response. Yeah. I see that one already. All right. What was special about, Falcon's computer design. What was so special about his design? Um, what do you mean by that? I'm not I'm not sure I'm following. What was different about his computer that other computers could not do before? Hmm. Oh, that they could uh, they could think and they could learn. They could learn from their mistakes. That is correct. Yeah. All right. Next question. When they go to Falcon's house on the lake, yep. what type of plane was he playing with? Uh, it was like a pterodactyl. You're absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah. Dinosaurs all, right. all over this uh, this week. Who knew? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was the code name they gave to NORAD? Code name um, Crystal Palace. You sir are on fire. Yeah. All right. So, final question. This is really important. Was it really Ferris Bueller's day off, <laughs> or was it really his day on? Hmm. That's a really interesting question. Hmm. I um I'm gonna have to go day on. I feel like yeah, like definitely day on. I wouldn't want to see Ferris Bueller at high school. So I would say I would say day on for sure. 
I mean, you were so close to five for five. Oh, here we go. You with your bullshit question. Uh, uh, You're taking away my perfect score with your bullshit question. But you know, he actually had the day off of school, Jeffrey. So for you as an educator to not notice when someone isn't in their class being a bad thing, I don't know how to respond to that. Justin, I am a professor. I am at a college level. Uh, In terms of the concept of attendance, I don't micromanage that with my students. Uh, I treat my students like adults if they decide that they want to skip my class then that's on them uh they're you know they're paying for it so isn't there a rule that says if you miss too many days you have to drop the course though yes and they do but that's, so there you go that's what i'm talking on about them so to do it, though. it's part of his day off if they get too many days off he's gonna lose his college it course could be credit, so but he was he was he was very sick so he has a doctor's note we do actually have an addendum to our attendance rule where we actually in cases anyone who's not an idiot can understand that that's some type of recording and a dummy under there okay everyone can tell i don't understand right? why i'm losing a point on a quiz about war games when you're focusing on ferris Bueller's day off i feel like you didn't watch war games that's what i feel like what's happening so right my favorite part about war games <laughs> was when he gets on the parade and starts singing louis louis <laughs> that's my favorite part uh, of war games it's so crazy it's so weird yeah. So anyways, you're ridiculous. Um, you're ridiculous, so yeah. Man. Unfortunately, Jeff, you're four or five. I no, know. I'm not. I'm, I'm five. Or five. I'm I'm four or four. Mean, I'm not counting maybe, that fifth question. Maybe in your heart you can. Be fifth that, question is not. That was not a question. Papers. That was not a question about war games. That was a question about Ma- about Matthew Broderick and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So I am four of four for my war games quiz. I am over one for my Ferris Bueller's Day Off quiz. Everybody who plays whatever role in whatever movie, they're all linked in some type of like You're connected ridiculous. universe. You're ridiculous. So like, the Terminator is the same guy who fought the Predator. You're gonna. You're gonna so. drown in a bowl of cereal one day. Like I just, just gonna no. That's very collapse, and that's it. That's it. You're done. That's it. All right, so uh, that's war games. <laughs> I still beat you. It doesn't matter. And I got a perfect four. Congratulations, four war games quiz. Let me let me give you another <laughs> award for this week. Some your, of us, your memory is way better than mine. Some of us actually care about our performance, Justin. Uh, and why like, some of us I'm are here, me and not I'm you. I'm here for the people. No, All right, no, that's geez. what I'm here for. All right, Justin, are you ready to spin the wheel? Let's spin this bitch. All right, so our choices for episode 65 are Mystery from the 1990s. It's first choice. I like that. Lifetime from the 1980s. Did Lifetime exist in the 1980s? We should look at that. And Soap Operas from the 1970s. Ooh, a soap opera's one seems like it could be good. It but... could be, but I'm really nervous because I don't know what the soap operas were like in the 70s. I remember watching soap operas and like my, my sisters and I, we watched Days of Our Lives in the late 80s and 90s. I can tell you all about I say we cut out the 80s because we just did two I know, we just did 80s. I, I, say, I say 90s mysteries. Mis- 90s mysteries. It is the first choice, and I feel like it's, it's actually pretty broad, and we can do a lot with it. So, mystery the 1990s that's uh episode 65 so tune in next week and you'll see what uh you'll hear what justin and i challenge end up challenging each other with and it's uh, i guess it's time to close down this episode uh if you're liking the new uh the new format if you'd be so kind maybe hop up on one of those uh those podcast outlets apple Podcasts, something like that drop us a little like subscribe review we'd be ever so grateful uh we also can be found uh, online at thelollygaggers.com and you can catch me on twitter at lollygaggerco and justin on twitter at buys justin so justin then i guess to, to end the week uh i guess i just i guess my question was would be who would you say would win in a fight between matthew broderick and uh 
in Matthew Broderick from uh, from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So Matthew Broderick from War Games or Matthew Broderick from Ferris Day Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Well, I would say Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and I was the reason why. Um, he shows tremendous endurance when he was running home alongside of a, his father's car at the end of the movie. Um, I mean, that was clearly a couple mile run and seemed like he had no loss of breath when they came into the room. So clearly he has some type of miraculous recovery system. So I would have to say Ferris Bueller from Ferris Bueller's Day Off would definitely win that fight. 